What's up, my brethren? Uh, Sarah and I are here for the hottest of all of the castists. So, talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. One time, we go to this banana factory. And I'm like, sure, I'll go with her. And then we get there, and of course, no, no banana. Bananas aren't manufactured. Lewis! What are you talking about? guy from Eagleton. <laughs> Voldemort? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Banana Factory, episode 14, the final episode. Today we'll be talking about our testimonies. It's Sarah, it's Danny, and it's me, Chris. How are you guys doing? Chris, that's great. Walking. <laughs> <laughs> I can go first if you would like. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> um, let me think. Did we all grow up as? Did we all get saved pretty early and then Christian home type thing? Yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So me too. I was thinking about this past week. But yeah, the Christian home thing. Um Air Force kid moved around a lot. I think it's weird growing up in a Christian home like growing up like hearing about Jesus when you're young and then he moves in you and then you're like at least that's what happened with me. I was like 4 years old. Um a lot of people say, "Well, I was like 4 or 5." And for a long time, I felt like maybe it was bogus and maybe I wasn't a Christian for a really long time. I think that happens with a lot of people who grow up as Christians. Um, but the more I think about it, when I was four and I was sitting on the stairs, I can't remember what I did. I don't know if I did something wrong or if I asked my mom a question. Um, but I just remember she was sitting on the stairs too. And I remember I was sitting on the stairs and she was sitting on the stairs below me, kind of like sideways, like looking up at me. Um, feel like God was even using the way that we were sitting to help uh, put us in a position to talk about this. 
Because, like, my mom's, like, looking up at me. Mm -hmm. It's, like, humbling herself or something. It's weird. But I don't know exactly what she said. It was probably a pretty standard kind of evangelistic spiel. (laughs) It was funny (laughs) saying that. (laughs) Give me your evangelistic spiel. But I remember... I mean, I don't remember many things from being four, but I remember that. We were in the Azores. Uh, I remember that, too. And she... I don't know what she said, but the, what, I re, what I processed was there was a hero in heaven uh, who saved me from my sins. And... Uh, I don't know. I've met, like, four-year-olds since... And it feels like they don't know very much. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I'm being a little bit. Uh, what are you, you going to say? I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. Like going back and because uh, I uh, asked Jesus into my heart at the age of five years old, and then yeah, you get older and you're like, was that real? Like, could I have understood it? Um, but in retrospect, I feel like I did. But it occurs to me, like, it's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to understand and, like, <clears throat> the depth of what you under Like, at what point... Like, because we don't understand it entirely now, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, at what point is that, like, how much do you have to understand? Yeah. Yeah. But and I know I, you're talking I knew about... It like, I knew it, like, deep. Yeah. And that it... Whatever happened that day has never gone away. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's very easy to steal something from a like it's very easy for life to steal something from a four-year-old like an idea that a a Mm -hmm. four-year-old had you know Mm -hmm. and it just hasn't gone away no matter i i've i don't know it just never went away so that's why i say four um four years old but and it was my mom and yeah so from there I've ha- I've talked to certain people about like did you know it's like a big change in your life? <laughs> it's like I was four. What are you talking about? Yeah, you, <laughs> I don't know what you're you, talking about. You gave up your life of sin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the banks that I robbed. Uh, did you say yeah, people would say that sometimes and I'm just like, no, like I've had some people kind of be like, Well, I feel like maybe and they were totally, maybe it was just the mood that they were in, but they're like, I feel like you kind of like would have seen a difference. I'm like, yeah, but I was four. Like, right. it's not mm-hmm. how it works. Like, Even I feel your... like that's that's why the verse, like, believe in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll, you will be saved is so clear. It's yeah. like, I just believed. That was the beginning. I just believed. Mm-hmm. No change. Even your, your ability knew. to have, like, self-awareness of your sinful nature <clears throat> and your, like, proclivities of mm-hmm. selfishness at the age of four isn't very refined. Right. Yeah. And that's that's why uh, growing up as a Christian is a very super awesome and super hard thing. <laughs> it's awesome because you look back and you're like, I can't imagine what kind of decisions I would have made or things I would have done if I wouldn't have been uh, given this gift so early. Um, But at the same time, you have to grow up as a human being while trying to grow up as a Christian at the same time. And it is crazy. But 
And I'm not very smart, so I didn't realize that that was what was going on the whole time. Maybe not even until this year. <laughs> like, thinking back and being like, oh, it was hard because I was learning, like, the same things that everybody else was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also learning all this other stuff that sometimes kind of made it hard to learn the same things that everybody else was learning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And constantly being expected. Well, as a kid, it's like I'm being expected to be at a higher level. Yeah. That's how it feels. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But now I'm like, I wasn't being expected. I was being guarded. Like I was being given rules to understand like what life really means. All these like really amazing gifts. But as a kid, you just feel completely constricted. Uh, like nothing makes sense. Like I remember my mom, maybe when I was in my early teens, maybe like 11 or 12, she was like, um, uh, I was playing hockey at Skate City, like rollerblade hockey. I think I told you guys this, but you can either keep playing hockey or, but it's on Wednesday and it's on Sunday. So we'll let you do hockey or you could not do it so that you could still do a wanna and go to church. And I was like, I won't play hockey. <laughs> I remember I said it like that. I was like, I won't play hockey. And I think she laughed. And then I never played hockey. Like, there, there's a lot of, like, sacrifices that, uh, yet not I, but through Christ and me, uh, that Christ helped me to make to save me from a lot of probably, if for my life, useless passions and things I would have chased and probably come up short or been like, why did I put so much effort into this? It's just over. There's, I'm not good enough to be pro. Like why, you know, all this stuff like that. Um, but anyway, so I became a Christian when I was four and I think I got baptized like second grade. I think I was in Alabama, which is super weird. Cause I have like this really nice feeling about Alabama when I was in second grade. Cause I got baptized and it was at this church called Victory. And uh, it's just very, I just like, I don't know, I have good memories of that mm-hmm. church. But everybody else in my family has terrible memories <laughs> of being in Alabama because of racism. But for me, like, God was protecting me. He was like, this is the year Chris is going to get baptized. He's not going to deal with any of that stuff. The other guys in the Atkinson family are going to have to deal with some trials I got set up for them. But Chris is just going to get baptized. <laughs> It'll be fine. And he'll win the Alana Grand Prix, and it'll be cool. Like, stuff like that. Um, so, all smooth sailing through there. Just, like, learning stories. Just I was really shy, so I was just quiet and learning and stuff. But then, skip forward a lot. Around maybe 11 or so is when things started to get complicated. Because around 11 is when I fell in love with the pastor's daughter. And then my heart started to become divided. And it was like that, I don't know, from like 11 to, it wasn't even, there was somebody before that actually. But my heart became divided probably from like 11 to like 25, (laughs) like 14 years. Um, And all through high school. So like, I just would I cared about Jesus and I cared about following Jesus 
and I was learning a lot at Awana because I went through the whole program and I would learn at church, but I kind of hated church. Can't really explain why. Um, now, in hindsight, the church that I was at wasn't really teaching the right things, but I was probably still wrong for not listening and just writing songs on the pamphlet because <laughs> that's for after a while I just got sick of it and started writing lyrics on pamphlets uh, every single week. Um, like I'll just work on something else. Uh, but at Awana, I would always learn stuff, and I remember in my teen years, that's when I started to question my dad a lot because my dad was always often the guy who was teaching when I was like in Bible studies and stuff. And mm -hmm. so at a certain point, instead of just being like, I can't ever ask questions because my dad teaching would be weird, I just started being like, what does that mean? I don't get that. Hmm. And he'd like be like, well, <laughs> it's like, I'd be like, yeah, but that doesn't make sense because of this. He'd be like, no, it does make sense. Like in front of everybody. Um, so those, those are my like Christian rebellious Can't years. Can't wait to be a dad. Yeah. yeah. And when I talk to him now about it, he doesn't care at all. He's like, dude, it gave me so much practice. <laughs> I was like, I was relentless. And he's just like, it gave me so much practice. <laughs> like he won't even talk about it. But uh, kept learning. And then in my 20s, I kind of wandered away. I feel like I thought that I knew some stuff. And I've met other people who kind of, I think, went through a phase like that where it's like, nobody knows anything. I know what's going on in life. Um, it's like, called being in your 20s. <laughs> <laughs> but I was pretty bad because I, I remember the people around me who were in their 20s like they weren't the kind of people who every time you had a conversation with them like they were giving me advice about life because <laughs> that's what I was doing mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> with every person I talked to and when I think about it now it makes me really sad and embarrassed but it's in the past so I don't care but it was pretty bad I can't imagine like any of the people who were my friends at that time, I can't imagine what it was like for them. <laughs> Must have been so annoying. <laughs> uh, and I was also very emotional and stuff with girls. When it came to church, I like had completely stopped at this point. I was just like, I don't care. Um, I didn't try to figure out what I was supposed to do or anything. My m parents would keep sending me that verse, like, don't forsake the assembly, and I'd be like, whatever. I just, like, wouldn't listen. And every time I wouldn't listen, I'd feel kind of bad. Because I'd be like, I'm straight up just not doing what that verse is saying. Oh, well, if it's just that one verse, not a big deal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I try to follow the other stuff. Whatever, man. I became, like, an angry, stubborn, selfish, depressed, lustful like blasphemous man that's like god just like let me he just gave me a taste like a real big taste of you want to just like stop like having a relationship like i'm not gonna let you go but i'll let you know what it's like and it's crazy because he let me go for so long for like many years of uh, just being so bad. Um, I wouldn't do a lot of bad things, but I was bad. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
he protected me and I still had like that drive to like I'm not just gonna like sin but like I could be a jerk you know <laughs> which is me <laughs> which is saying right but I wasn't you know like doing really horrible things like cheating on girls or whatever well, terrible things yeah. so like your story so far like very similar in a lot of ways to mine and uh when you were talking about um the the like idea when you become a christian at a young age then there's this like idea that you have to be excellent and like for me it was like i would get i would get praise as a child for like exemplary behavior uh and it it it'll, it sounds like super weird and psychotic now, but at the time I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Be like mm-hmm. like I literally would get pra- my parents would tell people in church like, oh he doesn't listen to that like sinful rock music like other kids <laughs> do, and like and it was like a big deal that I had never spoken any profanity in my life, you know, and so I feel like that messes. It, not not that like, my parents put that on me, like it just happened, and so like what you're saying is like I didn't do bad stuff, like you weren't doing lines of coke and yeah. whatever, you know. Right, right, right. But like part of it is like almost that that pressure of like that's beneath me, like because you you instead of like what I think missed the mark for me was instead of being like, why do we go to church? Going to church became like, this is the thing we do. And so just like you're saying, checking out and doodling on the pamphlet because we're just here. It's just about being here. It's not about like that relationship. And, Mm -hmm. And it became about like, just don't do sins. Like for me, it was like, don't get addicted to drugs and alcohol. Right. Don't sleep around. And you're good, man. It's like, I wasn't good. doing that, so. Right. Good. So, good to go. But you almost, like, to me, like, I don't feel like, not to interject here, but it's not like you're, like, I'm better than people who did do that. Because the reason that I didn't do that stuff wasn't because I was, like, righteous. It's because I was arrogant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I think... It's very easy for people who grow up Christian to become Pharisees, basically. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I well explain what that means if somebody doesn't know what Pharisee is. Um, I'm not good at explaining things. Uh, it's like a self righteous rule keeper. You're like, oh, I, I keep all these rules. Right. Me. Yeah. I can give an example. This is jumping ahead, but one of the really big turning points for me. Um, being a Christian the whole time, but a big turning point of like God being like, now it's time to grow up was we did a study. It might've been a Piper book. I can't remember, but me and my parents did a study of the prodigal son. It was really good. But near the end of the book, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm the son who stayed home. Mm. like i'm the brother i'm the brother yeah who's like i mean i can't remember (laughs) isn't he like basically it ends with him being like he's gonna go to hell like he's like terrible um but it was all this stuff of uh the main thing i've heard people say that helps you identify if you're a pharisee or pharisaical is like i'm glad that's not me like that's the big phrase yeah. You're like, well, in the that Bible, person over there is sinning. In the Bible, I'm glad it's not me. The Pharisees and Sadducees are always like the religious leaders that Jesus is always uh, 
are like debating with and saying like comparing them to a brood of vipers and saying <laughs> that their father is Satan and stuff. And they're the ones who ginned up everybody to crucify Christ. So mm-hmm. essentially saying, I'm just explaining if somebody doesn't know, like a right. Pharisee or being like a Pharisee is like having all the externalities of religion, but being essentially corrupt mm-hmm. in your soul. And there's all kinds of ways to be corrupt. Yeah. And one of the ways is to be super prideful. There's like, more ways to I'm be a Christian than there is to be And I'm, I'm like... Right. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. There's a million ways to be corrupt. There's, there's a wide road way. that leads to destruction. <laughs> exactly. And a narrow that does not. Um, but one of the big ways, being a Pharisee, and I think this is what I was like, was doing those things right and thinking... Uh, like my pastor just gave... Just did a sermon about like taking something relational with god and making it transactional yep and that's how i was i think for a long time of Mm -hmm. being young i had a relationship but there were a lot of times where i would make it transactional like i haven't done this i haven't done this and i haven't done this so why isn't this happening you owe me me? god yeah you owe me um and a lot of like thinking that I'm better than other people because I haven't done bad things like they have, Mm -hmm. which means that I'm terrible, (laughs) like a sinner, just like equally a sinner, you know? Um, But uh, I'll just zip forward. Then we did a study in James and we did, we did a study in Matthew and then we did a study in Revelation. Basically the Bible (laughs) is what, really really solidified me in these most recent years and finally going back to church was a really big deal um and now the place that i'm in with christ now and i'll ask someone to ask you guys this at the end but the place that i'm with christ now is pretty crazy to me um i don't mean this in a bad way but it's like scary almost um because i've never never thought i'd be here like, I never thought I'd be at this point where, like, I would not, for a second, trade anything for, like, my relationship with Christ. <laughs> I think as, when I was younger, I might have said that, but, I don't know, you could have been like, but the, here's, and I have magic powers, here's, <laughs> here's a wife now, take this. And, uh, but you won't be able to go to church for 50 years or, you know, or like, you won't be able to read your Bible for three years. I would have been like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Now I'm just like, just get it away from me. I don't care. I know I, it's not me. Like, I just understand now what's right. He's just taught me and I can't get out of it. And it's not a prison. (laughs) It's like, I'm stuck and I'm free. That's kind of how it feels. I feel stuck Mm -hmm. and free. Hmm. Um, maybe it's more so I feel like caught like in his hands and I feel free at the same time but uh, so yeah it's very different now I just wanted to share a story though so I think that a lot of Christians who grow up um, I think there's this kind of thing at least I have it for other people who grew up Christian of like they're probably like really good probably like don't sin and stuff it's really cool (laughs) but i just wanted to give an example of like as you go through your life as a christian growing up 
you have to learn these gigantic things <laughs> that are really difficult to understand. And then the next step is learning another gigantic thing. And I think that people who are non-Christians for a really long time, and maybe in their 50s or their 40s, with all this worldly knowledge when they are converted, they probably learn a lot of stuff too in these big steps. But I don't know, when you're young, it's like you're just so stupid. <laughs> you're such an idiot when you're young. And, but it doesn't, it doesn't make you not guilty. And so it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. Um, I'm not saying it's harder at all, but one of the difficulties of growing a Christian is you look back and you're like, I knew better. Like, even though I was young, I knew better. I did. And I still, I just, I was so sinful. So like uncontrollably sinful. So happy that I was saved. But the example I'll give is thought of this maybe three years ago and I think about it from time to time to remember how bad I used to be and how much he's changed me um, this is a really good example for me when I was like 18 we were playing these rock shows at the rock did you guys did you ever go to the oh, rock I loved the rock so you, you went there oh, too yeah is a anyone listening it's a rock uh, it was a rock venue in Papillion for a pretty short amount of time maybe like I don't know, maybe like six years or something. and But we played a lot of shows there. It's my hometown. And uh, we had a string of shows. They would always book us. They didn't care. We just wanted to play, and they just didn't mind. So we are kind of just like this filler band that not that many people came to see, but it was good to have a band on the bill because there weren't enough bands in Papillion. <laughs> <laughs> but... There's this girl who started going to our shows, and um, she was. There's this girl who started going to our shows, and she had kind of like a disfigured face. It, was, it kind of made it look like her mouth was like squished to the side, and when she would speak, like it was like muffled stuff. Um, and but. Even with that, this girl was, like, really attractive. <laughs> like, super beautiful and attractive and, like, really, really sweet mm -hmm. because probably because of the kind of life that she lives is having a disfigured face. And she started hanging around, like, our merch table a lot and, like, us. She'd just, like, be there. <laughs> you know? I've never been one of those people. I've never been that brave. But you just start walking over to the group that you want to hang out with and start standing there and listening. <laughs> and she was like that. She was short, too. Um, she was just there, and nobody really understood why. Um, and from time to time, she'd, like, laugh and stuff. But we didn't, we didn't, we weren't annoyed with her because she wasn't annoying. She was awesome. Like, she was sweet and stuff. But we just didn't know her. And when you're young and you don't know somebody, um, at least, I don't know, it was weird. <laughs> but... I remember this one day, uh, we, I think we were done playing a show or maybe we were going to play a show and she was there. She had been coming to like, she'd been to maybe like three shows at this point and she'd hang around us and she was like, Chris, can I talk to you? And I was like, yes. And I think we went outside. Um, yeah, I think we went outside of the rock and we were standing out there, and it was just like, 
it's papillion it's not loud it's just night and it's just quiet and you can just hear it you can just hear the night and we're just standing there and it, it's just burned in my memory um but <clears throat> she looked at me she was so brave really quick and i'm not saying that because i'm great i'm terrible i was a freaking loser but she was just like i think she said like i like you a lot like oh okay she's like do you think that i really do you think that we could date and it's just like the sweetest thing um like she didn't stumble over it or anything it was really great and i remember the thought that went through my head was this she has a disfigured face doesn't matter though she's really pretty but it'd be really hard to date somebody with a disfigured face. Because then I'd have to like talk to people about it and stuff. Like it was maybe like a second of thoughts, but that's it went like that. Yeah. Like when it's over you can slow down your mind and yeah. be like, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh." That was legitimately my thinking. It's like I would gladly do this, but I'm not going to because it would be semi difficult. So I won't grant her a relationship that I would like to have. Yeah. Because it would be difficult for me. Because people would say things. All those thoughts really quick, and I said, no, I can't. And then she, like, started crying instantly. Oh, no. And But it was like, even even that was graceful. Like, it wasn't like, you know, comedic or anything. It's it's weird. The moment is burned in my brain. Mm-hmm. But she just cried, and she was like, okay, okay. And then she just left, and I didn't see her again. And then I was on Facebook maybe like nine years later, and I saw, like, I was just on Facebook, and I saw, like, suggested friends. And there's this super pretty girl in, like, a wedding dress. Hmm. And I was like, I saw her face. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I clicked on it. And she's, like, just looks like the happiest person ever with some guy. Um, Some guy. With the guy she's supposed to be with. Also named Chris. (laughs) (laughs) With the guy she's supposed to be with, right? And I just remember looking at it, and this is this is what's great about Jesus. I looked at it, and I thought, I'm such a sinner. Like, who would think like that? That's so bad. Like, I'm such a sinner. And then I also immediately right after thought, wow, like, she was supposed to be with that guy. And... I'm not like that anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I used to be like that. I'm not like that anymore. That's so crazy to me. Sorry, my thoughts whisper. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm so not that guy. Like, that's the crazy thing about Christ, is you could look back on your darkest, saddest, like, very... Per- I'm, I've told very few, maybe, if anybody, that story. You can look back at just the filth of your soul... Or your brain. And it's just like, but he's changed me so much. It's 
So that's awesome. That's I so want to encourage people to see Christ because He changes you. Anyway, who's next? Rock paper scissors. <laughs> <laughs> How about you just go? Okay, I can go. Um, I relate to a lot of what you said, Chris. I also grew up, you know, going to church and hearing Bible stories and stuff. And it was great. My, like, my childhood was super happy and charmed. And, I mean, not charmed, like, it was good. <laughs> She's a million. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. We had a happy life. Have you heard of Mitt Romney? <laughs> Better than not that. true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I actually I believed in Santa for a long time because I was like, "How long? My parents don't have money to buy us Christmas <laughs> presents. <laughs> they're not going to splurge on like awesome. cinnamon French toast cereal, so they're not going to buy us Christmas presents. <laughs> Nobody could be that but... giving. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are <laughs> this is just devolving. Now. <laughs> just erase all that, Chris. Cool. But, um, <laughs> it's not gonna. So, um, yeah, so I was baptized when I was like 13 or 14, I think. And like things were good. And I kind of also like grew up with a little bit of that pride too that you guys were talking about. Like, oh, don't do bad, quote unquote, bad things and your life will be great. Or, then you'll like get all the gold stars. That was kind of the, I mean, no one ever said that to me and I don't think everyone, anyone ever taught that, but that was kind of the like subconscious message that I somehow came away with. Yeah. Um, but that was really challenged. Um, when I was 17, my brother died really unexpectedly and that was like a super traumatic event that really made me like question like how like how does this work like mm. I'm doing everything right how uh. can all this bad stuff happen to me um and really you know blaming God for for what happened and for all the things that were going on and it was also like con like my my feelings towards God were also really compounded by like a lot of like responses from, I, I don't know, from like church statements. Like, right. not, I mean, people never know what to say when you're sad and grieving. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were like super kind to my family and did so much for us. But I think in, in the like, oh, I don't know what to say feeling a lot. I think people sometimes would say things like, oh, it's all part of God's plan or like mm -hmm. he's testing you or kind of platitudes like that, mm -hmm. which really like compounded my anger. Like, yeah, <laughs> really? Like you really think that God like devised this evil plan to like, hmm. you know, make people have so much suffering that doesn't seem to add up, you know? And, um, that really like made me super angry. Yeah. So I kind of, for several years after that, I was just like, I don't get why this is happening and doesn't seem like God's on my side on this at all. And, mm -hmm. um, doesn't seem to be any reason for it. Um, and so that was really like a major part of my relationship with God was going through that. 
that time of just being like really not understanding that and wanting to understand like I want I wanted there to be a reason like Mm -hmm. please help this make sense like God loves me God's good but there's all these terrible things happening and it doesn't feel like he loves me like how do all those things add up and what people are telling me also doesn't add up so that was really really challenging but um I was at I was at some thing in college. It was like some event. There were like a lot of people there. And I was thinking about my parents and how I was so, I had like talked to them previously that day or something. And they had a really hard time because my, my brother was the youngest. And so I left for college, like just a couple months after that happened. So they were kind of like left with an empty house way earlier than they were expecting to be. Um, and so I was just like thinking about that and just really sad. And this like sentence ran through my mind that I like was not from my brain at all. And I, I didn't like hear a voice or anything, but I just heard, I know what you saw mean. this like yeah. statement in my brain that was like, I know what it's like to lose a son and I chose that on purpose because I love you and yeah. I was like oh, <laughs> oh <my> what <laughs> where did that come from because I was like nowhere even close to where my brain was wow. you know cognitively at all mm-hmm. and that just like changed my life like wow. after I mean it's not like oh then everything was fine not at all but that understanding that concept and like receiving that um like gave me what I needed to like be like okay maybe it's okay if all this doesn't add up and just because bad things are happening that doesn't mean that God doesn't love me like yeah those two things don't have to work together and like this can I mean I I think my opinion is Mm -hmm. that like a lot of things just happen and it's not because God says, here's what's going to happen. It's bad. You know, I think that like the world we live in is full of evil because yeah. we're evil people. Mm-hmm. And like even the natural world, like there's a disease and there are natural disasters and that's not yeah God sitting up there writing the script. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that moment like allowed me to like be okay with, yeah. not yeah. making sense of everything in the way that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big part of my, like, I mean, I believed in God and, and all that as a young child, but like going through that process really like changed my relationship with God and really got me through like what could have ended my relationship with God. Yeah. Um, like he graciously, was like, here's a little nugget of info that'll change your life, you know? <laughs> it's the gospel. So, right, it's the gospel. So. <laughs> That's so great. Like, fun facts from God. <laughs> right. Jesus died for you. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. basically, that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean with the, because when my mom told me about Jesus when I was four, I just got like, it's kind of the same. It's like there's this understanding just inserted into my mind of all of it. 
Yeah. I just got it immediately. And I had like these, um, I don't know, something in my mind that I can't explain to you what it is. I can't explain what it looks like if it's words or whatever it is, but it's just this thing that just started and it's just never left. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many things I, terrible things I've watched myself do or people have done to me. It just doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't go away. I can't mm-hmm. explain it any other way. It's, it's faith. It just doesn't go away. It's weird, like you were saying, how you don't remember like a lot from being four. Um, I I don't remember four at all, but I do remember five and like that era of childhood, mm-hmm. like five to ten or whatever. And like I'm reminded of um, the part in the Bible where they start bringing little kids or babies or whatever to Jesus. And then the disciples get all mad and they're like, don't bring these stupid kids to, be, <laughs> to, to the rabbi, you know? And then, you know, and it's just like this awesome setup because then Jesus is like, you know, you have to be like a child to enter into the king, you know, bring the little ones unto me and you have to like accept with the faith of a child to uh-huh. enter the kingdom of God. And um, I guess I'll go back to the the beginning in a moment, but after... I believed in God. <clears throat> I can't necessarily remember like chronological narrative of like five to six to seven to eight or whatever, mm-hmm. but I do remember this intense, palpable perception of reality that I only get like rare glimpses of now as an adult. And mm-hmm. I like long for that ability to like unclutter my spirit and like perceive reality as it actually was and I remember like either being out in the yard or um usually it was like moments where I am uh, I'm an only child so I spent a lot of time growing up just by myself playing by myself Mm -hmm. um where I grew up there were no other kids in a neighborhood and it wasn't a real safe neighborhood and so I just kind of stuck to my yard and played by myself until we got a dog you know and then I played with a dog and and we would uh you know my grandma and grandpa lived um literally in the middle of nowhere uh for years um the nearest town wasn't even on the map so it's like extraordinarily rural like 40 40 minute drives on roads that don't exist on the map like dirt roads (laughs) to get to her house and and uh, me and my mom uh, would go up there, and it's just this huge cowboy ranch, and I would have all day and all night to just roam about the wilderness and pet animals and walk around in fields and trees and stuff. And I remember, like, doing that and having this, like, in, like, absolute clarity of of, like, God's reality and God being there with me and, like, just kind of like ambling and talking to God and like mm-hmm. having this sense of like God's absolute presence with me. And I remember like having that in the backseat of the car, like just sitting, laying down in the backseat of the car and staring out the window, looking at the sky and like thinking in my head, talking to God and like having this sense that God was like right there with me right now, like his presence, you know? And I don't know, I don't know what it is about being, in my 30s but that is like 
very very elusive like i don't get that in the car you know or, or like on the walk from the car to the grocery store you know in the parking lot that's like all the nature i get now like it's it's harder to like like what i get is like those remembrances and i go oh yeah like god is with me right now just as he was then mm-hmm. it just might not feel like it because you know, the radio's on and the TV's on and you're thinking about traffic and you're 20 minutes late and you know what I mean? All yeah. the stuff that you don't think about when you're a kid. But anyways, so how did this happen? I don't remember a single instance ever in my life that my parents indoctrinated me. And I'm like extremely aware, like I, outside of like this, this table here, like I don't know very many people who would like accept the premise that you can credibly accept uh, a faith at the age of five. Um, mm-hmm. but I, you know, they say that it's just indoctrination is just the culture you're, you're brought up in and, it, and it's forced upon you or something. And, and you can't choose that as a child. And, and certainly that's possible. Like, like it's it hard. is theoretically possible for parental influence to force ideas onto their children. Okay. But yeah. that's not what happened in my case. And as long as I live, if if it ever happened, I actually don't remember a single instance of my parents evangelizing to me overtly or trying to get me to believe in Jesus or something like that. Here's what they here's what happened. We went to church and my parents brought me and they made me sit in church. <laughs> Our church would have children's church. I didn't get to go to children's church. I had to sit in the grown-up church. <laughs> Explain so much. I didn't get to go. To I wanted to go to children's church. But I'm like, see all the at, I'm the, a child. at the end of at, oh, at the end child. of church, like all the other kids come up with like stickers and cookies <laughs> and stuff. I've like been sitting through this hour long lecture. And all the other <laughs> but anyways, like that's all they did. Like they talked about God like He was real, and we went to church, and and they and they took me with them. Mm-hmm. And anyways, again, this is not this is not a Machiavellian plan by my parents. Uh, a lot of times when I was a kid, the TV would just be on, and it would just be left on all day. My dad, I think my dad did that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that still at my parents' house. So <laughs> I remember walking into the room, into the TV room, and the TV was on, and um, Billy Graham was on, mm-hmm. and I didn't know who Billy Graham. Was. I didn't know what that was. All I saw was some dudes talking in some huge stadium, and he said something, and then there was, like, a break in the speech, and then, like, hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people got up out of their seats and started walking towards the speaker. And I remember thinking, like, that's weird. (laughs) Like, if it's a concert or something, people never get up and just start walking towards the stage. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, like calling my mom into the room and being like what are they doing like i was like very wow. concerned you <laughs> That's know like so adorable and she's like uh they're going down to accept jesus as their savior and i remember <laughs> going oh i want to accept jesus as my savior <laughs> and she goes you do and i was like yeah can i do it right now please <laughs> 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 and and she was like okay well we need to pray to Jesus, you know, so what, are, you know, repeat after me or whatever. So, and like, and I know that like repeating prayers and asking Jesus into your is like frowned on by some people or whatever, but mm. it was like, 
like I wasn't getting coaxed into it and I didn't really like want to pray a prayer. Like I wanted to do whatever it took for me and God to be copacetic, you Mm -hmm. know, as much as I understood that at the age of five. And I don't know, you know, like I kind of remember my mom like saying like, well, we're all sinners and, you know, like kind of explaining it to me, but it wasn't like, it was like, we're all sinners and Jesus died for you. You know, it was the spark notes or whatever. And all I knew is like, I wanted, I wanted to like declare that I wanted to be with, with Jesus at the age of five. And I did that. And like, I just remember, like I was saying, like this very close connection, unlike any, anything else I've ever experienced in my life in those, in those days. And I think I was still five or maybe I was six and I became obsessed with baptism. And it was the same sort of thing. I grew up in a Baptist church, so we had baptisms probably fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. And this was like the 90s, so I don't know if it, I don't know if it's like a cultural thing or just the time period. Because a lot of times now in church, they'll do them in batches. Like 40 people will get baptized on one day. Mm-hmm. But back in my church when I was growing up, it was like, whenever you want to get baptized, we'll make it happen. So a lot of times it would be like, and we have a baptism today, and it would just be one person. Yeah. And so, yeah, so just any old random Sunday, somebody can decide that they wanted to be baptized. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and then and then they're getting baptized. Um, and I think, like, you're supposed to take a class or whatever. So this is where it gets a little bit weird, uh, <laughs> because I, I want to say, like, it was 100% sincere, and I was, like, obsessed with getting baptized, but it was probably, like, 95% sincere, and the other 5% of me was, like, very aware of, like, the showers of accolades and love that if you get baptized, people clap for you and give you hugs <laughs> and stuff. And so I just decided, like, there was this older kid, Jimmy, and Jimmy got baptized, and I just love Jimmy, and I want to be like Jimmy, so I want to be baptized, too. (laughs) Jimmy. So I, like, I kept harassing the pastor and to to baptize me, and every Sunday I would go, Pastor Pastor Paul, will you baptize me? And he would be like, well, maybe later, Danny. (laughs) Uh, Anyways... Well, my parents told me, Pastor Paul, I will baptize you with my tears. (laughs) (laughs) What my parents said is, after a while, like, I just was, like, wearing Pastor Paul down, and Pastor Paul goes, and he was like, he's like, I would never in a million years ever consider baptizing somebody this young, but he's like, I think we have to make a special exception because I've never seen somebody who wanted to be baptized so much. (laughs) It's so... And again, like, at the time, I thought I was doing the right thing. And now in retrospect, I'm like, how much of this was me just wanting attention, if, you know? I wonder if Pastor Paul is just like, this is a win-win. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. if he is ends up being a diehard, you know, for sure Christian, you know, who endures for the rest of his life, this is great. If he doesn't, this is a really good example <laughs> for the congregation to be like, I don't care how bad you want to be baptized. <laughs> yeah. You better know what you're talking about. Well, and so that's what he said then, you know, like, but he has to take the class, and it's an adult class. And so he needs to understand all of the things. Couldn't and do whatever. the children's class. They didn't have one. They didn't the have one. Yeah, I still couldn't do children's church. So, but I did it. I did it. And uh, I'm kind of rem- reminded of, there's a, a section where Paul is, like, writing to some people, 
and he basically maybe I'm confusing my stories, but basically like some people are like preaching Christ for personal gain. And it's like, I don't care, you know, as long as they're preaching Christ, it's sort of the gist of it. Like if they're preaching Christ for personal gain, as long as they're preaching Christ, like, so be it. Hmm. And so like maybe a part of me like had wrong ulterior motives, like to get attention and goodies and stuff. But (laughs) Christ showed up at my baptism and uh again it's like you come as like a normal person and i remember getting baptized and i was so tiny that they had to bring bricks for me to stand on in the baptistry nice and pastor paul's daughter came and she gave me a a hug she was my age too a little five-year-old like my best friend and she like read a bible verse or something and gave me a hug and uh it was just like it's almost like you get pulled along then it was like, I, I showed up for the appointment and then like the Holy Spirit just like pulls you along. And I remember mm-hmm. I had to like pick a, a life verse and, and like have this thing. And I remember <laughs> five years of life verse. Well, it's like the, for me, it's like, <laughs> oh, the, you're going to follow it's it. It's like the, the verse of of that is like for your life. Yeah. It's like, okay. Okay. And, um, anyways, uh, what was it? Well, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me because <laughs> I just went blank on it. I'm going to try and remember it. It's in Timothy. It's like, uh, is it, the is it first, Timothy, first Timothy 3 5? Is that, can you look that up for me? Sure. Because I, I have, wonder like, if it's the one. I have so many Bible verses going through my head right now. Anyways, I got baptized and it was. I don't know if it's first Timothy. Well, let me see. <laughs> it's like, for if someone does not know how to manage his household, <laughs> no, that's how it, will that's he it. care for God's I church? I don't know how to manage my household. Qualifications for elders. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. So. My life verse <laughs> is to not be good enough to be an elder one day. Uh, <laughs> let me. Well, we can circle back to that later. But anyways. Going really quick. Um, the verse you were talking about earlier was Philippians. In Philippians, okay. Some cool. indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. It's Paul. The former proclaim Christ out of self-ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get from watching Billy Graham on TV, man. Yeah. Billy Graham uh, is the man, um, but actually, like it wasn't uh, it wasn't like his sermon. It was me seeing the people. Yeah, the people. Up. Like I don't think I even heard like, any Billy Graham. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> but um, just seeing the seeing people like go toward a thing, you know. Yeah. People going exactly. toward the light, and I'm like, what, what's happening right now? People do that. Um, they kept to themselves. I'm trying to... And what you were talking about earlier with, like, feeling like God was close to you and stuff, like, more so of, like, a presence-type thing that's hard to explain, and then when you're 30, you're like, I don't know. (laughs) I think that that's another thing about growing up as a Christian. I think when you're young, you're kind of, like, held like a baby. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. there's a little bit more care going on there. And then when you get older, he's like, okay, I need you to be able to do more difficult things, so... I'm just gonna. You te- need to remember me better. I'm just gonna text my mom real quick. <laughs> <laughs> hey mom, what's my life first? Worst I thought she didn't ever. have any influence on you, dude. 
No, she remembers She remembers the day. We used to celebrate the day I accepted Christ. Kind of like a birthday. I don't think I got presents, but my mom would be like, do you know what day it is? It's your birthday in presents. Christ. <laughs> Just and everlasting life. <laughs> like we used to, <laughs> yeah, like, I got a present the first day. And I never got another one. All I got was this t-shirt and eternal life. <laughs> Just Jesus cleansing me from my sin every day. <laughs> Anyways, yada, yada, yada. So I grew up and... Uh, and yeah, and so like Christian life and church life were like huge parts of, of my childhood rearing. Uh, my mom was a church pianist, and because I played oh, cool. music, then I got onto the worship team. And so, you know, every single Sunday we were playing. And so then my dad kind of, it's like, well, the mom and the son are doing church stuff. So then dad started doing church stuff, teaching Sunday school. And our church used to do a thing called Call to Worship, which is basically like, a Bible verse, like a, it's it's just kind of like a couple Bible verses to meditate on this morning or whatever, and um, maybe like a paragraph message, like, and this is what it means or something. So my dad would do that a lot, and um, so you know I and I was doing Awanas, and so anyways I started to just be like held up as this like exemplar for other kids like other you know other kids would get yelled at and like why aren't you more like Danny and in Awanas I was like the best bible verse memorizer and so all of these things started to like create like a perfect Molotov cocktail for being like a legalist <laughs> right. and being like overly consumed like by people's perception of your church. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> being obsessed with like people's perception of you and thinking like that that's what matters. And so I think like that cancer started growing in me pretty young. And um, then a bunch of stuff happened. Um, There was like, I guess I'll say like a scandal in our church and our pastor had to step down. Hmm. And then there was a long period where there really were like interim pastors that would come and go. And then finally we got another pastor and um really like that whole process took such a terrible toll on the church and you know there's like politics and different people's views and different theologies that are coming and going and really like the church was kind of dying and not really um not really thriving in the word not really thriving in the spirit um and so just a huge malaise, spiritual malaise in the church that I went in. And so I went to that church and, um, but it, I started to check out, I think a little bit in high school. And it was just kind of like, like you were saying, this chore that I had to do. We have to go on Sunday, every church thing I have to go to, cause I'm on the worship team. I felt like that and, in school. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and then I, I remember like, I like the, wanted to do it, but I like, I was happy to, like, I wouldn't have not done it, but I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't you know, super excited to do it's it. It's still a weird thing because, <laughs> like, serving in the church service totally pulls you out of yeah. the worship experience. Yeah, it does. And, um, and so that's actually, I feel bad every time I, I've gone to, like, a few different churches in the past five years, and every time they're like, do you want to play on the worship team, or, like, how do you want to serve, or whatever, and I'm like... 
I kind of want to just be in the pews. Like, I kind of want to have a full 90 minutes where I can pray and, like, read the Bible and stuff and not be distracted by, like, passing the plate or, like, you know what I mean? And, but, Daniel, you I'm have not, a master's in composition. I know, I know. You no. have to use it. I'm not for saying I want, I want to serve the Lord, and I, and I will try to serve in the church, but I'm just not ready to do it right now because I spent the first 25 years of my life only doing it. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> So a bunch of stuff happened when I was in high school, obviously introduced to um, a lot of sinful things when you're like away mm -hmm. from the church crowd. And that was very confusing and uh, troubling. And I also had, uh, I also started to see that a lot of people's, like I was also homeschooled and everybody in the homeschool community is Christian, everybody. And so... <laughs> You know, you're a teenage, you're a teenage boy. You know, I played sports. You're going to home, you're going to high school parties, and girls are there, mm -hmm. and you start to realize that everyone's Christianity is a little flimsy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> a little flimsy. Uh, and so, that was like, <clears throat> that actually really, really undercut Christianity for me without me consciously thinking about it because you're like, what kind of like literally seeing like some of my best friends be very pious, devout Christians on Sunday and be like totally not Christians the rest of the week. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. We're all kids. But when you're a kid too, that's really hard to understand. That's yeah. really hard to understand. And I'm like, oh, I'm looking at these people and I thought we were all on the same page here. But people are like acting like it's not real. And even seeing adults that do that, seeing adults that that were doing things that to me seemed very hypocritical and not Christian at all. And nobody's saying anything about it and acting like this is normal. It's so hard because when you're growing up, you think that, oh, everybody else is figuring out something different. Right. About Jesus. Right. But you're also like, but I know it's true. So why would they do that? Right. So it's really hard because you you're in the you're in the process of learning new things all the time. Yeah, and you're like, oh, there's something I must have missed. And you're mm -hmm. like, but there isn't. Right. <laughs> anyway, and I'll say like, too like, I'm spending years and years of my life away from the fundamentals of of the faith. I'm not really paying attention during sermons. Me too. I'm not. I'm not doing. I'm not doing Bible studies, and I probably would read the Bible like three or four times a year, like on my own. Yeah. And I was always like, I, I like can't read the thing. Bible. And like, you know, you just pick like some random section. And I would decide that I was going to read the Bible. You know, I'm going to read it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, Me you too, like man. do it for like one day, seriously. And then I would like lose my Bible or something. And just be like, this is too hard. And <laughs> when, I don't really care. When and... God has you hanging on by a thread. <laughs> just yeah. like, no, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And so, you know, all of these things were just, it was just a recipe for, like, what do you get when you don't feed something? What do you get when you don't water the plant? You know what I mean? And you just start putting little pieces of poison in the pot, you know? <laughs> like, it's going to freaking die. And um, so I went to college. Basically, nothing, nothing had changed. Um, you go to college, and all of a sudden... All my Christian friends, not all of them, don't want to be too broad. A lot of my Christian friends started really 
Like, it wasn't flimsy. It was just gone. You know what <laughs> it I mean? just blew away. Yeah, I mean, um, sex and drugs and alcohol and mm-hmm. all of all of those bad things are definitely happening now, you know, in my yeah. in my Christian community. And and so I'm starting to be like, well, this is totally this is totally fake and feeling like church isn't doing anything for me. Anyways, uh, part of my major required me to be gone on Sundays for school events. Mm. And so I had to stop going to church to do this class. And so I did that for a semester and felt all mad, like, don't they know people have church on Sundays? (laughs) Well, the semester ended and uh, I went back a few times. Yeah. (laughs) It was kind of nice to not go. Kind of nice to to sleep in. And I told myself that it was still so that I could do homework. You know, I'm in the habit of doing school stuff on Sundays. So it's more important than there's nothing going on at church anyways. So I just stopped going. Were you in your 20s? Yeah. Yeah. From like 18 to 27, I went like maybe, I went like less than 50 times. And it's the exact same thing you were talking about. I'm going to try to wrap this up. But you were saying like, it wasn't your church maybe wasn't like preaching the best stuff but you still should have gone and that's totally true like my mm-hmm. church was dying those sermons were totally empty and some of the stuff that people said was flat out wrong mm-hmm. but <clears throat> my conclusion after the fact was i should have gone on the offhand chance that i wouldn't be hearing worldly lies for 90 minutes a week you know at, at least there's a chance that i wouldn't be lied to for 90 minutes as opposed to the rest of the week where I definitely was being plied with lies and darkness right constantly and uh-huh. just sucking that all in it's amazing how like when things get difficult as a christian you can just be like well instead of having a lot of good with a little bad I'll just go all bad mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just like yeah where's the logic it's not there and um so really like in my life like I had been adopting sinful, godless ideals and morality and actions in my life from high school on into college, and it kept getting worse, and it kept getting worse, and I basically told myself this, like, legalistic lie, like, as long as I don't do this and this and this, then you're good, man. You're Mm -hmm. good. And then that slowly morphed into is like, as long as I don't get caught doing those things, you're good. As long as Mm. people think that you're good, you're good, you know? And so I just, a lot of, a lot of other things happened. Um, There's a lot of loss in my life. Um, When Sarah's brother died too, that was like unacceptable and unimaginable to me. Um, and like my takeaway at that at that point was that oh i know how this story goes evil wins that's that's how this goes Mm -hmm. the the evil wins and uh good always loses and um i was a fool to think that um i I don't want to tell that whole story but basically uh when when that was happening. I stayed up all night praying that he would be fine. And I woke up in the morning with total peace and total confidence that he was going to be okay. 
and then he wasn't. And so I felt like, you're like, is there, is there a guy, like, who was I talking to? Like, or is all of it a shame? Is all of it a shame? Because like, I was like, so sure. I was so sure. And I was like, this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen to these people. This doesn't, this kind of a thing doesn't happen. And like, I lost my, I lost my grandpa and I lost two of my uncles. One of my, one of my friends was murdered. Um, by another one of my friends, like one of my, hmm. a, a couple of my friends went to jail. Um, a bunch of my friends like became alcoholics and drug addicts. And these are, these are people I grew up with, um, and all kinds of things. And I'm like, yeah. what's the value in this Christian, Christian living? Like works out great, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I just kept getting more and more depressed and like alone and uh i got i i can't remember exactly what happened but i remember having like this moment of clarity like the ones i had when i was five and i was standing alone in my bedroom and uh it's like that little thing at the beginning of the movie where they test the speakers and it goes in the movie theater that happened and like everything else all of the noise in my life like evaporated and I had this vision of myself and I was like, not like a literal vision, a metaphorical <laughs> understanding of myself. I'm just like, I'm, I'm thinking of what all the cynics are thinking right now. I had, I had this like metaphorical idea about myself that I was like in this little life raft and I had floated out to sea and I look around me and all I see is horizon. I'm like in the middle of the ocean. And that I had floated so far away from God and so far away from the life that I thought I want, I thought I was living and that I wanted to live, and that I was totally gone. That yeah. I was like totally lost. And and so I, I like I prayed to God. I don't even remember what I said, but I decided like no matter what, I'm going. I'm going to church tomorrow. I'm going to church tomorrow. I'll go to some church. Like I wasn't going to go back to the church I grew up in. I'm going to go to some church. I don't care if it's a Catholic church. I don't mm-hmm. care where it is. I, I don't care what church it is. I'll find a church and I'm going tomorrow. I need what I Saturday need and night. I need it now. Yeah. And I'm going to get it. And, uh, cause I, yeah. And so I, um, my friend's dad had always, would always invite me to church whenever I would go hang out with his son. And so I called him up. I'm like, can I go to your church tomorrow, please? My friend, my friend's like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, he was like kind of in the same boat as me. And I think like his parents were just dragging him to church. But like we were, we were in the same little life raft, you know? And okay. so I'm like, he's, yeah. he was in the exact same situation. And I'm like, can I go to your church? And he's like, yeah. And so I went to that church and um, totally different from the kind of church I grew up in. Super small, but a contemporary church. Like the pastor played drums and stuff. In my church, there were no drums. <laughs> there were no drums. I, went, I, went to, I went to a church where people literally said drums are a satanic <laughs> instrument. And, I, and like, even now, I'm like, Unless, I, I can't believe people ever thought that. But I went to church with some people. Like, in children's church, they had drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I go to this church, and the sermon was on the fruit of the Spirit. And I had grown up, basically, like, I understood that there were words called the Holy Spirit. And that it's part of the Trinity. And that's kind of the beginning and end of everything I knew about the Holy Spirit. And basically... <laughs> Basically, the Holy Spirit is this scary thing, and like there's, 
there's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, like you're going straight to hell. Like even Jesus can't <laughs> save you. So like, just don't have, don't even have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And like my whole life, like I was like super paranoid that I would like accidentally blaspheme the Holy Spirit and and be sent to hell. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, so. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And he starts talking about the fruit of the Spirit and talking about the the Holy Spirit. And I'm like totally freaked out. And like I had all these questions and doubts in my mind and every single one of them was addressed in the sermon. And I was like, it was like being just like stabbed repeatedly, you know? And I was freaked out. I was legitimately scared. Like my body was shaking. I couldn't believe what was happening. And so... Like it's I mean, like I'm so on the verge of like a, of a touch. It was like almost like a mental breakdown. It it was like this is this is messed up. Like I can't. This is very very weird and messed up. And um, I illegally downloaded like I got. <laughs> I, I illegally downloaded the sermon. Like they didn't have a great website. <laughs> and I like got some widget that would like allow me to download it or whatever. So I downloaded it and I listened to it obsessively, probably like 45 times. All, that's all I listened to all week was this sermon over and over again. And I remember like pouring over scripture. I sat in the parking lot of High V crying because I was 100% certain that God could never forgive me and that I was going to hell and that, and that I couldn't be saved. And I had all of these questions and um, I went to church the next week. And every one of those questions that I had that week were addressed by the second sermon. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so I'm like, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life. <laughs> and I'm going to keep coming here until this stops. And, um, and they're it, just brainwashing you. It Danny. didn't stop. It didn't stop. So um, I remember going to that pastor and being like, so. I, I, I Can like, I get a copy I of like, the second one so I don't have to illegally <laughs> no, download it? No, no, I illegally downloaded it. I wasn't ready yet. But uh, I I said, like, I don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I feel like, like, I just told him, like, in a panic, my life story. I was like, I was raised a Christian, but I'm, like, this terrible sinner. And I don't even know if God can forgive me. And I don't know what to do. And I don't know what you're talking about when you talk about the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what the fruit of the Spirit are. I don't think I have any of them. And I don't even know what the gospel is anymore, man. <laughs> and he was, like, so nice and so cool about it. And he was like, you know, like, we all sin. And, like, even I sin sometimes. I'm like, you do, you know? Like, <laughs> Like, and he, was like, heaven, he was like, but you know, um, he's like, I read this book and it totally explained the Holy Spirit in a way to me. Cause I had a similar thing. I didn't really know what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit was. And the book was the wonderful spirit filled life by Charles Stanley. And the other book was called, uh, text your mother. <laughs> yeah, she, text me back? she hasn't texted me back yet. Uh, it's the, I think it's called The Explicit Gospel um, by, it's not Francis Chan, it's not David Platt. Maybe it is David Platt. I'm going to look that up because I have it on my phone. Um, and so I, like, bought those books that day and started reading them. Yeah. And uh, and that was really transformative to actually learn about the Holy Spirit, the theology about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is your helper, that the the Holy Spirit is there to help you to not sin, because I'm like, how am I going to stop sinning, you know? And that, and like, to learn the essence of the gospel in a way that goes totally beyond, like, the Sunday school, um, 
reductive Bible stories that goes in, in depth about the meaning of like, what does it mean? What does it mean for Jesus to die for you? And like, how do you know that God loves you? Yeah. The explicit gospel by Matt Chandler, which I would highly, highly recommend anybody. If you're not a Christian, just check it out because this is, there's so many people that say what Christians think, but this is like actually what, what Christianity is <laughs> about, you know? Um, and so that was like a total renewal for me. And I feel like this is like a, a, a rebirth where now my relationship with God is kind of more and more like that childlike vein. Um, and so like reading the Bible, you know, I had learned all those Bible verses, but it was in vanity and it was in pride and they didn't mean anything to me. And it's almost like God erased my memory or something. And I read the Bible now and it's like with fresh eyes, like for the, like reading it for the first time, like can read the, the Bible story about Noah that you hear 10,000 times if you grow up in the church or, yeah. or, or the, the Christmas story or the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Mm -hmm. If you grow up in a church, you hear those stories hundreds and hundreds of times, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and for some reason, God uh, reaches me through the Bible and through sermons that I've heard 10 million times. And it's like hearing it for the first time now. Yeah. And, um, and God's revealing himself to me. And so like, it's so <clears throat> my relationship with God, I feel like a total infant and a total idiot and moron, which is like a billion times better than feeling like an arrogant prick who right. has like memorized everything and knows how it all goes. Like you were saying, and now I'm like, I don't know anything. Yeah, me and too. I just need you, God. I just need you. Mm -hmm. And like, I still sin and I still s screw up. I was just, I'll finish it with this. I was talking to one of my best friends yesterday. He's back in town. And I was saying, when I was growing up, I was under the impression that like your relationship with God is just, just a straight shot. It's just like an on-ramp and you just keep going higher and higher and higher until one day you wake up and you're in heaven. And that that's what like every other Christian's life is like. Mm -hmm. But mine is like the freaking stock market where it goes up and then <laughs> down and then up and then it crashes, you know, yeah. and you start to go up again. And I was like, and that's so disappointing. Like I know cognitively that that's actually how it's supposed to be, I guess, but I still feel like super guilty and like disappointed i want that like straight clean shot no more sins from here on out no more <laughs> fleshliness no more selfishness and i'm just going to go up like elijah just in a little straight line mm -hmm. up to heaven and yeah and it's it is a struggle and it's a real pain in the neck and you know it's a relationship it's a relationship it's yeah. not a religion and um and i work very very hard to not have that uh compensatory relationship where I'm like, all right, God, I followed this rule. I followed this rule. So you owe me mm -hmm. like God's your landlord or something. Like I paid yeah, my bill yeah. on time. So you give me a house in heaven. Like it's a relationship and you're in the family. And so like when you screw up, it's not like your family disowns you, mm -hmm. you know, they love you still and you got to yeah. work it out. You know, we really need to remember like how much Jesus loves us. Like you hear Jesus loves you all the time. Right. And it's incredible how easy it is to forget because you're in this relationship with this person who's never wrong. <laughs> like if you think about kind of like, if you yeah, had, like, if you knew a person who was never wrong and loved you unconditionally every time you saw them and when you did things wrong, they punished you 
And, well, you, and you knew that you learned. That's why God uses like the metaphor of being our father. Like, our you wouldn't father. want, you wouldn't like want to avoid that person. Like, right. you'd want to, but it's like a child in their parents. We tend to like forget and stuff, and it's so silly. Yeah. Because uh, there's no reason to run away from that. There's no reason to run away from somebody who loves you unconditionally. I'm getting a crap in my leg, and I don't know why. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. Sorry. Yeah, and I think, like, that's, that's, like, something that needs to be combated. Like, it isn't ubiquitously taught in every single church on every single Sunday, uh, every single week. Um, we were talking about that, Chris. I mean, there are people who go, uh, no, God doesn't love you. Um, I remember, so after this, like, <clears throat> resurgence for me, I started, like, pouring over scripture and reading actual academic treatises uh, online by theologians and seminarians about sin and, and all these things. And, um, I remember sitting down and reading this doctoral treatise about if Christians sin. And I'm reading this guy and it's like his PhD seminary treatise or whatever about all these things. And he's quoting all the familiar verses and I'm like, right, right, right. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm just tracking with them, agree with every single point, and then he gets to the bottom of the line. So in conclusion, a true Christian will never sin ever again Ooh. at the point. And I go, oh, oops. You know, like, I don't... I, I don't <laughs> oops. What I don't, about Paul? What I happened? I don't believe that, but I followed his argument from the first letter, and I read this this stupid book all the way to the end. And I'm like, I agree with his argument, you know. And so then it has the appearance of being this scholarly, religious document, you know, it's it's basically the Bible, you know, he's a seminarian, he's got a PhD, and his logic makes sense, except it's wrong. But uh, when you're, like, in this weakened state where you're, like, full of doubt, and you're full of sin, and you're scared, and you don't know what's going on, and then you, you get some authority figure, however distant or whatever, thanks to the World Wide Web, they can come in and tell you that, well... You, you sinned, and so, ergo, you are going straight to hell, my friend, you know? And there are people that say that, and they're just wrong, you know? Yeah. And you're, you're a great reminder of that, you know? Um, but, yeah, it isn't ubiquitous, and I think, like, that's why, for Christians, I think Alistair Begg has said that the gospel isn't the beginning, it's the beginning, the middle, and the end. Like, oh, the gospel yeah. is every is everything. It's not just for you to accept Jesus at the beginning and then go your merry way, but it's every day you got to subsist on, on the gospel of mm -hmm. Christ. And we have to preach it, not just to people who don't believe in Jesus, but to each other, mm -hmm. you know. Christ is eternal, and everything about him is eternal. His cleansing and his forgiveness and his grace, everything. It's every day. Yeah. Just to sum it up, real short, going around the table, if you had to tell somebody why they should believe in Christ, what would you say? And then we could sing a song together if that's okay. Yeah. Um, because he loves us for real. What do you mean by for real? <laughs> for real, you know, my dog. For real. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I would say, um, I mean, I think, like, if I get very literal about your question, why should I believe in Christ? I think that's, like, for the individual. Like, you have to look at your yourself. Like, if you're asking me to explain to you, like, I'm if Christ is real or whatever. from your own personal. Yeah. From my own personal experience, uh, God is real, and he loves you. And 
he's actually kind of like the only thing that's that's real um and so it's worth pursuing what's real and what's true um because everything else that you that you perceive around you is uh shades away from that reality and that um there's all all these things in life that uh, basically, you know, we're surrounded by lies all the time. Um, lies that like our lives don't matter, that, uh, everything is meaningless <clears throat> and, and you can look at society in the world and you can see how that bears itself out. Um, that it doesn't, it doesn't reap any good thing. Um, mm-hmm. but then if you just consider the fact, like, what if God is real and what if he loves you, what would that mean? And what would that look like? And what would that look like for your life? Uh, consider it, um, because I think that if you honestly consider it, you'll find that it's real and that it's true. And once you see what's real and what's true, then all of the other stuff kind of loses its its sparkle, and it's mm-hmm. not worth, worth pursuing anymore. Yeah. And for me personally, uh... One of the big things for me that immediately pops in my head every time I think about this is all of my questions are answered. Legit. No joke. For me personally. He answers all of my questions. And I was just reading about John 3 when Nicodemus talks to God, or talks to Jesus, and, uh, same thing. (laughs) He asks some question about, like, how can one be born again, uh, and then Jesus talks about the wind and how the wind blows and you don't know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And he basically tells Nicodemus, you're asking about heavenly things. You're not from heaven, so you wouldn't understand. And even that is an answer to so many questions. Like all of the really difficult questions where it's like nobody has an answer and people like to argue about it all the time. Like even in John 3, Jesus says, the answer is you can't understand it, so stop trying to. <laughs> Like, he answers every single question that I have. And the world doesn't answer any of those questions. They give me temporary ideas that I can think about that fade away quickly and usually leave me with nothing. Um, There's a lot of other things, but for sake of time, I would say, do it if you want the answers to your questions. But understand that it's going to take a long time to understand I just found my life first. It just came to me. <laughs> Please read it, it's and then we'll sing the song together. It's super ironic. It's, it's so okay. Ironic. It's okay. Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and then the renewing of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it's super... So like 85% of that, I didn't know what that even was until I was like 28. Thank you for mentioning that. I have to lead a care group here soon, and it's about... John 3, 1 through 15, and he talks about not unless somebody is uh, born through uh, of the spirit. Like water and the spirit. Yeah, yeah. It's the washing of regeneration uh-huh. and the renewing of the spirit. Yeah. It sums it up very easily. Fountain of every blessing 
Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy
you 